How many of you ever have talked to someone today? All of us, right? Okay. We've all interacted with someone, and really when you think about those conversations, we interact with people every single day. We have relationships. We um, reach out to people. We work with people, and people are all around us. We build relationships. Um, we interact with those in the world who are unsaved, and really when we come to God's Word, He has a lot to say of how we deal with one another. And tonight we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of different um, passages and um, ideas of, okay, how does God want us to interact with one another? How does God want us to interact with the world? How does God want us to interact with fellow believers? And how does he want us to interact as a church? And really when you come to the Bible, there's over 100 instances where this word one another shows up. And 59 of those give very specific commands of how we need to interact and treat one another. And so we'll be diving down deep and really the goal is to be applicational. The goal is to really tackle our own lives every single day. Look, how, how is my life match up to where God wants me to do? How does he want me to interact with my coworkers, with my, my family, my, my siblings, those who are around me every single day? How should I be living for him? Let's pray as we um, get ready to get started. Father, thank you so much for your love and your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight, even just hearing the testimonies of your power and your goodness. And how you give great comfort, and how you give great strength, and how we can trust and rely on you. And Lord, help us, even as we open your word tonight, that we would um, not be like the stony ground where we resist, but rather when you speak to us, we listen and obey. And we look for ways where we need to apply your truth to our lives, and that we would leave change, that we leave taking steps close to yourself each and every day. We just ask your name. Amen. And when we think about this topic of one another, we need to come back to, okay, why? What is the purpose of it? And ask, like, what is the church? The church is a body of believers that gathers together, that is in the community who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have various talents, skills, abilities, who have many different backgrounds, but the, the goal is to work for a common purpose, to please Christ, to glorify Christ, to reach this world, to encourage one another. And so that's the goal. God has created the church for a purpose, a glorified God, to share the gospel, and to build each other up in the word. And so when we think about that, that's the, really the purpose of the one another. We come to God's word. How do we interact with fellow believers? Well, God shows us so much of how we need to apply this truth to our life. And it's vital that we think through this every day. And even you think about even a day to where maybe you're so self-focused or so focused on what you had to get done that maybe you neglected an opportunity to share the gospel. Maybe you neglect an opportunity to maybe not have your eyes fixed on maybe um, needs around you or people who may be going through something, and you kind of overlook that for the sake of doing what you wanted, and you could have been a blessing. And sometimes doing some of the tough things takes time, takes sacrifice, takes, takes our words, takes um, uh, some diligence, but we have to be looking outwardly, not so self-focused on what we have to get done, but rather, okay, how can I serve one another? How can I serve Christ through my impact and my influence? And the first passage we're going to deal with is 1 Corinthians 12, really focusing on okay, the why. This is, this is the why we do this. And really dealing with okay, the many parts of the church working together for a purpose. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, looking verses 12 through 20. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 20 says this, For as the body is one, and have many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. 
For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not of the ear, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? The whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would be the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So if you are a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ, and you have a purpose. You have a goal within the church, and that is to encourage, to help focus on the goal of glorifying God in your life, to reach the lost world, to serve in the church, and to be a part and it starts with our interactions, our conversations, what we do, what we say, and how we interact with people around us. And so we're, if we are part of this body, we should be seeking out unity, seeking out peace, seeking out ways to point our attention to one common goal, rather than um, fighting, rather than backbutting, rather than gossiping, seeking to, okay, how can we make sure we are focusing on the common goal, which is Jesus Christ, and pointing others to him? And that's why as we come to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5, 16, we're going to see an example. We're going to see Jesus really pointing our attention of how we should be looking in this world in Matthew 5. And so we need to follow Christ's example, Christ's teaching of how we should be interacting with those in this world, with those in the church, with those who are around us. So Matthew 5, looking at verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So really, the the purpose is that we are to shine as bright lights in this world, that when we are interacting with people, they should see Christ emanating out of our life. They should see the love of Christ and everything that he's done in our life through our words, through our actions. And when people see us, they should see something totally different than what they see in the world. And so we come to this passage as let your light so shine. This should be happening. It should illuminate. It should show those who you come into contact in the community that something is different. Whether even at a grocery store, whether you're talking to someone in the community, whether it's in church, your life should reflect Christ. Your, your life should reflect this light that Christ has given to us. And so we are challenged to do this on a daily basis. And sometimes that's hard, especially in the workplace, when out in the community, when we're around people who don't like this light, but we're commanded to be the light. We're commanded to use our words and our actions to reflect Christ. And it's sometimes hard being all alone. Sometimes it's hard when people don't like what you're saying, when they don't, when they don't enjoy or they don't agree. But that doesn't change that we're a light. And so we're commanded here that let our lives, whether in the church or the outside of the church, we should be lights pointing others to Christ. We should be lights really reflecting him. And it says, and, um, let your lights shine before men that they may see your good works and then do what? Not that they see your good works and praise you. No, that they would glorify God. Your actions, your light that you're shining is not for yourself, but rather that they would point to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, what God has done for us. And so we've seen, we see what Jesus has said, how we need to interact, how we need to interact with those who are around us in the world. And even when you come to these one other passages, there's over 100 instances, and there's, I'm going to just kind of read um, a fair amount of them, just kind of getting your mind wrapped around. God has a lot to say about how we interact with people to help one another, encourage one another, instruct one another, greet one another, admonish one another, spur one another on toward love and good deeds, serve one another, accept one another, forgive one another. 
meet with one another, confess to one another, carry one another's burdens, strengthen one another, care for one another, build trust with one another, sing to one another, comfort one another. And then it moves on to some attitudes to love one another, to submit to one another, commit to one another, live in harmony with one another, agree with one another, live in peace with one another. And then it also goes on to be devoted to one another. Be patient with one another. Be interested in one another. Be accountable to one another. Be concerned for one another. Be humble to one another in love. Be compassionate. Be at peace with one another. Be at same mind with one another. Be kind one to another. And so over and over again, there's even some more. I'm not going to read them all, but over and over again through Scripture, God says there's so much you need to learn how to, how to interact with people, whether Christians or non-Christians, how we interact as a church, how we are unified, how we're reporting others to God through what we are doing and what we are saying. And so we're going to take a few of these one another's as we jump into these and really just kind of maybe tackle like four or five of them of how we need to interact one another. The first one we're going to deal with was with helping one another. Living overseas, um, I'd see numerous boats coming into our, the harbor at Yat, the small island, and there's one instance where there's this massive cruise ship, and it's very abnormal that a big cruise ship would come into the harbor of our island because the, um, the, the way to get to our island was very narrow to get into the port. And so it's very abnormal. And you see these, this tugboat that would follow and would nudge this big boat to where we're supposed to go. It'd be very impossible for this big cruise ship to make it to where it needed to go without that helpful tugboat to kind of push it, to nudge it, to make sure it doesn't hit the reef, to make sure it doesn't hit the side. And so when you think about this word, to help one another, it's in a sense, we need to be kind of that spiritual tugboat, helping push, help encourage, help point in the right direction. Is our life that way? Is our life to the point where we are encouraging, we are helping one others, whether tough times, whether difficulty, whether whatever we may be, they might be facing, is our life that to those who are around us? In Hebrews chapter 3, so we all have to turn to Hebrews chapter 3, look at verses 12 through 13. Hebrews 3. 12 through 13. It says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. This, this word to exhort is to help, to challenge. It's to really point each other in the right direction. It doesn't just apply to those in spiritual leadership, the pastors. No, when you look at the passages, it says, but exhort one another daily. Talking to the church in general. That's a purpose that we all should be taking upon ourselves. That we are exhorting, we're encouraging, we're helping one another, no matter who we are. And it's, just, it's just these private conversations, these private exhortations, these, these conversations personally with those within the church. Are you that concerned with those surrounded, those who are sitting next to you, the, the fellow church members, the people you come in contact with, that you want to do your best to make sure that they are pointed to Christ through conversations? That it's not just talking about the things of the world, just the things that are going on, but rather, okay, how can I make sure that my life, my conversations are making an impact for Christ? That they're going to be pointing others to the truth of the gospel, they're pointing others to what we have in Him, that He is trustworthy, that He is faithful, that He is a good God, and we can rely heavily upon him. So we can be doing, we can be exhorting one another daily, whether close friends, parents exhorting their, their children, Sunday school teachers encouraging their students in their classes. The older should be exhorting the young. 
And then every church should be exhorting one another and looking for ways. And sometimes this is tough, right? It's sometimes out of our comfort zone to go up to someone and to start, start a conversation, start talking about yourself or make, being vulnerable even, being transparent and trying to be encouraging, trying to be maybe opening up. Like, this is what God sees in me in my life, the struggles that I'm facing. But God's word, exhort one another daily. And if you keep going on in the passage, when must we be doing this? While it's called today. If you look at the passage, it says, but exhort one another while it is called today. You can think to yourself, how many of you a lot of times procrastinate or put things off? I'll talk to my neighbor next week. Next time I see him, he, and there's these opportunities that arise, but a lot of times we push them off. But God is saying, while it is called today, take the opportunities that God has given you because it's not guaranteed you have tomorrow. It's not guaranteed your neighbor or your, your friend or someone who is going, that you're going to be having this interaction with is going to be there tomorrow. And that's why it's so important to re- recognize life is vapor, life is short. So use your influence, use these opportunities for good and not push them off <coughs> just because you have something else to do. I was looking at a commentary and it said this, um, let us, so, or actually I'm going to keep moving on. You can go, you ask this word, Why? Go to the end of the verse. It says this, Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So there's a spiritual aspect of this to where you are trying to encourage and uplift someone. You're helping carry burdens for the purpose of, okay, maybe your interaction with this person will provide comfort, provide help to maybe face a temptation that, that may, you, might, might not, you might not know they're um, undergoing. That they, that they may be facing a trial. It says, use your influence that you may, while it's today, encourage one another that you may point them to Christ that they might be causing, that they might be following the deceitfulness of sin, following the world or the world's mindset, or following their own thoughts and intents rather than what the Word of God says. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I know I'm going through a lot of passages, a lot of verses. I'll be reading all of them. So if you can't keep up, um, you can listen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I was looking at a commentary, and they said this, Let us so regard the welfare of others as to endeavor to excite them, cause a strong feeling of enthusiasm and eagerness to persevere in the Christian life. So if you're considering yourself, your interaction with people, are you provoking, are you kind of prodding on this enthusiasm about who God is? Of what God is doing in your life? Are you, through your life, causing others to say, I want to serve the same God they're serving? I see what God's doing in your life, I want that. Do your interactions provoke others to love and good works? Does does your interaction with people provoke others to think about God, to think about who He is and what He's done for you. And if not, what needs to change to make that the case? And I know we all have different backgrounds. We all have different environments that we're in each and every day, whether in the workforce, Christian environments, in the community. But it's all the same. How are we provoking people around us to love and good works? So often it's so easy to get caught up in our own little bubble that we forget about the people that are walking down the halls, walking in our, in our, in our jobs, 
and we neglect the opportunities that God has given to us. And maybe some of the excuses are, okay, I don't know, I'm not sure how they're going to respond. Are they going to be upset? Is, is my boss going to get upset? We come to this passage, while it's called our day, do this. Point others to Christ. Your life is a vapor. You're not guaranteed another day with this coworker or this friend. So why wait? And so we are challenged to encourage, to help, to point others to Christ each and every day. And so the next um, example, the next one another is to encourage or to spur, which kind of goes hand in hand with help. But we're going to be in Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. It says this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that is in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after these things which make for peace. And things are with one may edify one another. So it starts off, we are to make sure Christ is the center. We make sure that Christ is the one that we are serving. Make sure Christ is the one that we are living our lives for. And through that, let us then follow after these things. And it's this collective. Let us as a collective whole follow after Christ. Let us as a collective to be unified in harmony under Christ to follow these goals and taking on these characteristics to edify and encourage one another to live this way. And that's what the church should look like. That's what we as a a group, as individuals, should be striving to um, have in our lives on a daily basis, looking out for the needs of others. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so following after Christ, taking, letting the word of Christ dwell in us, letting God's word be that which is driving us to encourage one another. If the word of God's on if we're not in God's word on a daily basis, don't expect to have God's power behind you. Don't expect a lot of things to be happening. If you're not saturating your mind in truth, most likely these things are not going to be happening. If we're not building habits, we're not in God's word, if we're not making God's word and importance in our life to richly dwell in our hearts, we're not going to be focusing on one another. But that's why as we come to this passage, that's why even earlier, that's why it's so important to encourage one another so that people might not fall into the sequence of sin. Because when we neglect God's word, we kind of put it off for a time, it opens us up for struggle, opens up for temptation. And we need to be focusing on His word, allowing God's word to be the catalyst that helps us drive forward to please him. First Thessalonians 5, First Thessalonians 5, verse 11 and 14 says this, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And we beseech you to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their um, work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, Support the weak and be patient toward all men. <clears throat> so it goes on, talk about leaders, then it goes on. Now we're talking to you individually, this is what you need to be doing. Comfort one another, warn one another, support one another, and be patient towards one another. Nowhere in there it says, okay, look at yourself at all, and be so proud, worry about yourself at all times. It says, yes, be concerned about how, how you're walking about it. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let God grow you. 
And then get your eyes fixed on serving others. Get your eyes fixed on how you can have an impact and influence on the world around you. So imagine, if you can just look back this past year, the past week, the opportunities that we missed because we got consumed with our busyness. The opportunities that we missed, whether at work, in the community, whether um, at school, if you're in school, or wherever you may be, that because we were on a beeline to get something done, we neglected a conversation, and maybe that conversation could have been a catalyst to point them to Christ. And so we have been challenged to take what we know, to have our lives be an influence and, and have an impact on this world. And so we're going to be moving on to an attitude and a mindset, which is love, that we should be loving one another. Go to turn to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, and really this, this this characteristic, this principle to love one another has so many ins and outs, has so many things that's connected to it. And it starts with, okay, Christ loved us so much that he sent a son to die on the cross, and that's what really promotes us to demonstrate this love. John 13, verses 34 through 35 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So often, we let some small things get in between us, and we let arguments, we let frustration, we start to gossip. And people start to see that. Do they see Christ-like love when that happens? No. But rather, we are challenged here to demonstrate Christ-like love every day by how we interact, by demonstrating love be gracious towards one another, be merciful towards one another, and demonstrating this kindness, compassion. And yes, we're going to face people, maybe decisions that people might may take upon themselves, or they might do things that we don't like, that might be hurtful. But we can't control what people do, but we can control what we do. We can control our reaction and really point others to Christ through that response. And then if you keep going in John chapter 50, that's two chapters um, forward, and we're looking at verses 12 and 17. It says, This is my commandment to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then verse 17, These things I command you so that you will love one another. And it really just draws our attention to Christ. Christ loved us so much, He went to the cross. He came to a world that hated Him, that forsook Him, that uh, took Him to the cross to where He died. He was beaten, He was mocked, He was scorned. He was punished for our iniquities. And he died for us because he loves us, because he cares for us. And when you come to this passage, that same love, learn from that. You should be loving others the same way. Are you willing to maybe even be hated or to be, be all alone or maybe even have, a, have these mocking voices, but rather are you willing to show love so that they see Christ in you, that they are pointed to the gospel? And we are called to love because Christ loved us. And how we respond, how we interact with people, how we demonstrate this love, it reflects Christ. And so we are challenged every day. It's a clear-cut command to be, as followers of Christ, we are commanded to love one another, no matter who it is, no matter if they're like us, no matter if they're different, no matter what background, no matter um, if you don't know them or not, if they're visitors. No, we are called here to love one another. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 11, says this, 
for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. Throughout John and all these passages, we see over and over again, we're created to love one another. But sometimes it's hard. It's hard when people don't love you. It's hard when people do things and hurt you. But nowhere in this passage is even an exception. Love them unless they do this, this, or this. We're commanded to love no matter what. We're commanded to demonstrate Christ-like love to those we come into contact with on a daily basis. It's a commandment, it's an order, it's an announcement. And it has every intention that we must follow it. We're commanded to do that. And we might think, okay, I know I need to love. But look past this past week or past month. Has there been instances in your life to where that has not been the case? That we have not demonstrated that Christ-like love. That we have not pointed others to God. Romans 12, verses 9 through 10, talks about our love being genuine. Not just being a show. So Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast that which is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This word let has an idea of a control over you. Let this be the case. Let this happen in your life. Let this be what you are focusing on. Let your love not just be a show, not just be what people see on the outside, but rather, okay, I want this because of what Christ did in my life. I want to demonstrate this love because I want to point them to Christ. And I love that last, that last part of the verse, that you would outdo one another and showing honor. That we would outdo one another in just showing this love. Imagine if everyone did that. We were, everyone was so focused. How can we demonstrate Christ-like love every single day, and how can I outdo them? How can I, not for the purpose of reflecting me, but how can I make sure that Christ is glorified in my life? Imagine if that happened every day. Every conversation you had, everyone was focused on that, what the world would look like, what our church would look like. And so we are commanded in this passage to really let your love be generated, let it be from the heart because of what Christ has did, done in your life. And then in 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1, verses 22 through 23 says this, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, so you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but an imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So very similarly, let your love, let your obedience, let your love for one another be earnestly out of a pure conscience, not out of selfish, selfish motives. So often in our world, people do things for what? To get ahead. They do things to get something in return. But that's not the case with when we show love. Our love should be, our love should be out of pure motives. So we're not looking for something back, but rather we're looking to point them to Christ. And that should be the sole motive of our life each and every day. And I love, even as it comes to the next couple of verses, really shows God being the one that helps us do this. We, in our, of ourselves, we can't accomplish this, but with God's help, we can. And look at um, verse Thessalonians 3, verses 11 to 12. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you all. Then in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says this, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. That is right. Because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. So Christ is working life. Christ is doing a work. Christ is helping them take these steps. And that's why it's so important to be in prayer. 
That's why it's so important to be daily in God's Word, allowing God to be saturating our hearts, to be growing us on a daily basis, because that's what's truly going to really push us to do this. If we're not focusing on God, if we're not focusing on His love, we're not focusing on His truth, we are not going to be doing this. But if we're allowing God to really dwell in our hearts, letting His Word to be saturated in our mind, we're letting Him to do this work, that's what's truly going to help us do it. It's Christ working us. It's not of our own selves, but rather God growing us, God's Word challenging us. We're going to finish with 1 John 4. And we're called here to just replicate God's love. 1 John 4, verses 7-12. through Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this, the love of God, was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So within this passage, we are called to replicate God's love on a daily basis wherever we're at. Doesn't matter who we're with, let your love for Christ show. Let the love of Christ really shine through. For when people come into contact with you, come into contact with you, they see Christ. They see something that's different. And they are left encouraged. And I really pray that this would be our lives going throughout every single day, that we would really consider those who are around us. Consider the opportunities that we have. Consider the influence we have. Consider the many um, things that God places in our way, the people that He brings our way, that we not overlook those opportunities, that we would not overlook the, the conversations we have in the store, in the community, and in our, in our workforce, but rather we would take those opportunities as springboards into, okay, look who God is. Look what God is doing in my life and pointing them to Him for His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your love and Your goodness to us. I pray that you would help us tonight even as we reflect on our interactions with people, our interactions with one another, that we would be focusing our attention on you first and foremost to glorify you, but then look for opportunities to serve in this world to make an impact and influence on those around us to reflect Christ. We ask in your name.